Um, okay, so open your Bibles to Ruth chapter one. We we started Ruth last week with introductory things. And what we saw last week is that Ruth bridges the gap between the time when the judges ruled in Israel. That is the book of Judges. Okay, that's the book right before Ruth. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. He shouldn't do that, but he does. Okay, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then First Samuel is next. First Samuel is where the kingdom is established. So, so it goes from the time when the judges ruled till the time of the kingdom where the kings ruled. Right in between those two books is the book of Ruth. And so the book's place in scripture is the book's place in history. It bridges that gap. We saw that. Mike is on and I'm not muted. Yeah, so I don't know if, if, yeah, one of you guys can tune in on that. We saw last week that the book of Ruth is not a sermon, but it's a story, okay? It's actually a story that, tell, that talks about this family. Uh, it's like a flower in a rock. It, it's like a bright spot during dark times. Ruth is this beautiful, wonderful story being told about a time which was a very difficult time for the nation of Israel. And then we saw this really cool connection between Genesis 38 and Ruth last week. You can, you can catch that online uh, here in another week or two. We'll get that, that posted. You can catch that. What we saw about the, the time of the judges last week, we saw a couple things. Let's go to the next slide, Dempsey. Okay, we saw two phrases define the book of Judges for us. So if we were going to do an overview of the book of Judges, what we would do is realize there's two phrases that show up repeatedly in the book of Judges. Now, when the Bible repeats itself, that's basically God saying, I don't think you were listening the first time. This is something you need to get, and I said it, but I'm not sure... You picked up what I'm putting down. So I'm going to say it again. So it's something we need to pay attention to. And here's one of the phrases. In those days, during the time of Judges, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So you just do what's right for you. I'll do what's right for me. That's one phrase. Now, the other phrase is that. Let's go to the next slide. The next phrase is, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served Balaam. So maybe serving Balaam was right in their own eyes, but not in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, and the children of evil did the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at this third verse up here. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab against the children of Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. We'll, we'll be seeing a theme about Moab as we work through this first verse. Now, I, I didn't put all the slides up there, but over and over and over again in the book of Judges, they did what was right in their own eyes, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what was right in their own eyes was not right in the eyes of the Lord. So, so that's what we would see if we did an overview of the book of Judges. And we touched on that last week. This morning, we're going to actually start getting through the text. So look at, at Ruth 
don't not our, not Ruth, our visitor. Look at Ruth in your Bible, okay? Chapter one, verse one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. You guys remember the old radio program, Paul Harvey? Remember Paul Harvey's, what was his radio program called? The Rest of the Story. So Paul Harvey would start and he would say, he'd tell you some little part of a story and it wasn't actually very exciting or poignant until you learned the backstory, until you learned the rest of the story. So Paul Harvey, by the time you're done, you're like, whoa. And you're either shaking your head like, I can't believe that person did that now that I know the backstory. Or I'm so happy that person did that now that I know the backstory. Okay, in this verse that we just read, there's a guy and he and there was a famine and it was during this time and he, and he just took a trip down to Moab. Okay, if you know the rest of the story, if you know the backstory, that verse has you shaking your head. Oh, no, he didn't. I can't believe he did that. Now, you guys aren't saying that yet. So we need to cover the backstory. That's what we're going to do this morning. You guys ready? All right, we're going to break it down. So the first part. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. We just read some verses about what it was like when the judges ruled. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Hey, did you guys hear that the Anglican Church of England, Bill told me this this morning, the Anglican Church of England has decided to bless same-sex marriages. We're not surprised by that, are we? No. Well, and why wouldn't they? I mean, if, if those people want to do that, and that's like they have to follow their heart, right? They have to do what's right in their own eyes. Truth is relative. If it's true for you, then it must be true, right? So why don't we just go ahead and bless their reality? Let, that's the woke thing to do. Don't you know we've, we're postmodern in our thinking? We've moved past that whole moral oh you just got canceled we're gonna cancel him let's defund his facebook whatever because he's not going along with the mentality that says if someone feels something it must be true if i identify as something then i must be that something if it's right in my own eyes it must be right Hello, somebody. This is the world that we live in. The only thing that's not popular right now is to say, well, that's what is right in your eyes, but it's actually not right in the eyes of God. Oh, just got canceled. You know what I'm talking about? We are living in a time where people have moved past a gold standard of truth, and we are living in the time when every man is doing that which is right in their own eyes. Now, we've already covered it. 
The problem with that is that it's evil in the sight of the Lord. So what happened? Okay, in the time when the judges ruled, people, they did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And here's what happened is they brought judgment upon themselves. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that's what you're going to reap. If you plant corn, you're going to grow corn. If you plant wheat, you're going to grow wheat. If you plant tomatoes, you're going to get nothing but dried up vines on those cages in the back of my house. No, you're going to, theoretically, you're going to grow tomatoes. I'm not the greatest tomato farmer yet. I'm still working on that. But the, but go go back. We're not here yet. Okay. What happened was in the time of Judges, the people sinned. They sinned against God because they're doing what was right in their own eyes, but evil in God's eyes. That brought upon consequences. Those consequences then made the people very sad. Then the people repented. And then when they repented, God delivered them. In the book of Judges, this happened. And then it happened again and again and again and again and again and again. Seven times in the short book, over and over and over again, the people would get delivered from the consequences of their sin. They'd be like, ah, oh. and then that judge would die. And then they'd go back to worship and bail again. And then God would judge them. And so over and over again, we see that cycle of sin seven times. We already saw that one of those, the king of Moab came and controlled, conquered the people. Okay, so the verse goes on. It came to pass in the days when the judges rule. Now we kind of know the context. Let's go on. That there was a famine in the land. Okay. Now, how do you think it's going to turn out when people do what's right in their own eyes, but they're doing evil in the eyes of the Lord? Is that going to turn out for good? Or is that going to turn out for bad? It's going to turn out for bad. Parents, you, you know, when your kids are little, they, they know they have a choice. Like, you know you could do right, and it's going to be a pathway of blessing, or you can do wrong, you're going to get spanked. Like, it's that simple. You just see the wheels turning. Now, little rebellious spirits in there, like, mm. and sometimes they choose, right? You're trying to talk them into it. Like, look, just pick up the book. And they're just like, mm. you see that conflict. Okay, here, here's what God did in the nation of Israel. Okay, in Deuteronomy, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. So God gave the law. The people didn't want to follow it. They wandered around in the wilderness, and everyone over, over the age of 20 died. Now that the old man has died and the new man's ready to go into the promised land, hello, somebody, that, that, that now they're getting the law again. This time the motivation is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's what the Lord God requires of you, nation of Israel. We're going to enter into the promised land, and God's giving them the law a second time, and just like a parent would tell his child, he lays out for them. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse um, 
26 through 28. Here's what God tells his people. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Now, he only gave them one set of rules. He only gave them one law. And he said, this one law that I give you is both a blessing and it's a curse. Well, how can one thing be two things? Well, he explains it. A blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, in verse 28, and a curse, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day, to go after other gods, which you have not known. So this one law, it's a blessing if you do it. It's a curse if you don't do it. So that's what God laid out. Okay. He set before them a blessing and a curse. Now, for example, the blessing, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 12. Actually, in verses 1 and 2 of Deuteronomy 28, God repeats this whole blessing thing. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all the commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken, if you listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And he gave them all of these blessings, just blessing after blessing after blessing. And then we get to verse 12, and he says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. You, the rain in the right time for you to grow your crops, that is part of the blessing of the Lord. What a blessing. Okay, however, go down, look at verse 15. Here's the curse part. But if thou, it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Okay, what's going to happen? Go to verses 24 and 25. The Lord shall make the rain of heaven, I'm sorry, the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down upon thee until thou be dis it's gonna rain dust. We just had that happen, actually. You guys all had to wash your cars, right? Because it, it was a little dusty. Okay, anyway, no, it's gonna rain dust. It's not gonna rain, rain. Okay, he laid before them blessing and curse. You're like, well, why is God so mean? Why would God want there to be a famine and drought and all that stuff? God, no, that's not what God wants. God wants the difficulty, the consequence of the sin to cause the people to repent and turn unto him again and quit doing things that are going to cause harm. So Judges, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 8 through 10, this is what's supposed to happen. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law, and if thou turn unto the Lord... At this point, he's describing the nation under the curse because they won't do things God's way. But the whole point is to bring them to repentance to turn unto God again. Does this make sense? Okay, so in the time when the judges ruled, there was a famine. Why was there a famine? 
They turned away from God. And God is trying to get them now to turn back to him. Okay? All right. Now, a certain man, let's move on, a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Okay, just a little semicolon here. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Do you guys know of any certain men who came from Bethlehem? David? Was a, there's a certain man who came from Bethlehem. David came from Bethlehem. Who else came from Bethlehem? Christ was born in Bethlehem. Like when we see that a certain, yes, a certain man came from Bethlehem. Wow, okay. Bethlehem is called the house of bread. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Wait a minute. There's a famine. There's, there's no bread. Okay, here's a man from the place called the house of bread. Okay, now how did that man get there? I'll tell you how he got there. He was of the tribe of Judah. And after Deuteronomy, Joshua led the people into the promised land. Okay, they fought battles. They took the land. And then every family was given an inheritance. So if that happened to us, we'd go, you know, take the land and then you'd get your acres and you'd get your, it's actually miles. Like you, we would all get a piece of land for an inheritance. And that's why family was so important because you needed to have family to work that land to grow the crops. That's why rain was so important because there's no grocery stores. It's just you and your farm and your land, and you took your inheritance. This man was of the tribe of Judah from the city of the town of Bethlehem. That's what he had inherited. So Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says, Bethlehem, you're just a little, you're just a little town, but the one from everlasting who's going to be the king is coming from, from you. Okay, so Man, if, if someone's inheritance is the house of bread, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He came to the house of bread, like, like so many pictures there. He says in John chapter 6, verse 63, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I'm not talking about my flesh, he said. I'm talking about my words. They are spirit. And they are truth, and we have been given the words of God, which are life and light to us. We have come to a place we can say, I, my inheritance is in Christ. Who I am is in Christ. I've come to the place where the word is preached. We have a house of bread. Okay, let's go on. Anyway, this, this man of Bethlehem, Judah, was neither David, nor was he Jesus. His name's Elimelech. We'll learn, learn about him next week. But he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. This is the, oh, no, he didn't moment. He and his wife and his two sons turned to the book of Numbers. Okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers chapter 22. Moabites were idol-worshiping enemies of God's people who purposed to bring God's curse on them. 
initially Balak, the king of Moab. That's what you're going to see as you look at Numbers chapter 22. There's a guy named Balak. He's the king of Moab. There's a guy named Balaam. He's from Mesopotamia. He was a priest, a prophet who had God's a connection like God would supernaturally use him. So Balak tries to hire Balaam to curse God's people. In Numbers chapter 22, and Balak, he's so frustrated because he gives the guy money. He promises him honor. He gives him clothing. He is working. He's grooming Balak. I'm sorry, Balaam to curse God's people. And Balaam's like, I can't do it. But Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness. He loved all this stuff. He loved the money. So he, so in, in Numbers chapter 22, he, this is going on. Balaam's like, I can't do it. Numbers chapter 23, same story. Balaam's like, I can't do it. Numbers chapter 24, same story. Balak just keeps rapid, uh, ramping it up over and over and over again. They go through this process and Balaam's like, I can't curse God's people. But Balaam gives Balak the key to God cursing God's people. What was it? Yeah. Okay, so Balaam tells Balak, look, I can't curse them, but if you get them to intermarry with the Moabite women, they've been instructed, do not marry the Moabite women. I know they're good looking. Trust me, it's a trap. You're going you're gonna to be singing, and um. Praying for the end of time to hurry up and arrive. They're going to be singing that the rest of your life. They're going to cause you and your family to worship false gods. And that's exactly what happened. Look at Numbers chapter 25. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their God, and the people did eat and bowed themselves to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal, Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Balaam told Balak how to get God to curse the people because he couldn't curse himself. And it was these Moabite women who intermarried for the purpose of getting God to curse the people. So the Moabites were, were the enemies of Israel, but the way they conquered Israel wasn't through coming at them with their fists up. They came at them with like, like I mean, I don't know what the women did, but they whatever the women do, like with their eyelashes and their hips and like whatever that is, however y'all do that, that's what they did. And then the guys were just like sheep to the slaughter. Like they could not, they couldn't resist the Moabite women. They were too hot. Like, oh my goodness. Okay, so let me just read the verse again. Now that we have the rest of the story, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Oh yeah. Hmm. 
that there was a famine in the land. Oh, yeah, okay, we know why. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, but not the right man, like went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He went there, and then he took his family. Like, he, he dragged his wife and his kids there? Are you kidding me? I can't believe he would do that. Okay, so let's talk about, let's just talk about it in terms of a personal application. Let's, let's go to the next slide. It may be that, that there's some of us here that need to stop some things. All right, now, just the certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. There was a famine in the land. He wasn't happy with his life. He was going through a hard time. Okay, that's you and me. If not this week, just wait a week. All right. He didn't need to run away from his problems. He certainly didn't need to go to the world and go to Moab, who was offering him some solace and comfort in his time of difficulty. What did he need to do? What's the cycle? Sin, consequences, difficulty, and then that difficulty makes me what? Repent, turn to God. Okay, I'm not saying you're running around with Moabites. Here's what I'm saying. Start with this. God, is there something that I need to change? Because right now I'm going through difficulty. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a victim and it's like unjust. I'm not going to pretend like God's against me for some reason. I'm going to start with this. Lord, you've got my attention. I, I'm whatever it is I'm doing. I, I, Christina and I came to this place in our lives. God, we're done. Never again. I, we're, we're whatever you want. Just show us. <sighs> and he did. And our circumstances didn't change, but our, we had complete peace, joy. We were set free from all that stuff that was so bad before. Start with, God, is there something I need to stop? Hit the road of repentance on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Repentings from my sin again. Okay, whatever. All right. We can't continue. Listen. You can't indefinitely continue to live like Israel did in the time of Judges. Has it been seven cycles yet? Are you you tired yet? Are you ready to just stop that already and just say, okay, God, I'm just once and for all, I just want to be done with that. Okay, number two, maybe you need to start some things. Start some things. Maybe you need to embrace the promises of God. So listen, don't fall into this trap of thinking like a like a really good traditional Baptist. Okay, here's what here's what people think of us when they hear we're Baptists. They think your life consists of a self-righteous list of things that you can't do anymore. Well, I don't smoke. And I don't drink and I don't dance and I, I whatever, like I don't play cards. And like that's what people think of Baptists from the outside. And the reason we might have that reputation is because there are people within churches who think that's what they're saved unto. I can't do the things I want to do anymore. Thank you, Jesus. You guys, God has laid before you. A blessing 
and a curse. Think of it that way. Don't think of what I can't do and what I have to do. No, no, no. It's two pathways. Curse or blessing. And God's like, your choice. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I, I've seen that. No, thank you, right? If you can embrace the promises of God as a pathway of blessing, and if you can think that way, what's going to happen is you will actively and deliberately pursue blessing through faith in what God has said. It's, all things are lawful. But why would I want to walk down the pathway that is cursing? So we're not under the law, but God has still given us his word, right? Does that make sense? Embrace it. Embrace the new life and go after it with all you've got, with all of your heart. Okay, number three, stay faithful. Choose the word, not the world. Be a man or woman of the word and not of world of, of the world. You guys know what James 4 4 says? Anybody have that verse memorized? Deanna probably does. James 4 4. Okay, turn there. Oh my goodness, this is such a strong verse. It's such an awesome verse. Okay. James 4 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Oh my goodness. Is he talking to people that have had extramarital affairs? Nope. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever then will be a friend of the Moabites, uh, I mean, a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's what's being pictured for us in the book of Ruth. The Moabite women are offering their, their comfort, their friendship. It's actually a trap to bring about cursing. Okay, so listen, choose the word and not the world. You're like, well, but what's wrong with the world? Okay, so uh, turn to 1 John. It's just a few pages back. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter two, we all go through this. <laughs> First John chapter two, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but it's of the world. It's not in the promised land that you've inherited there at the house of bread. It's in Moab. It's, it's in the, okay. You guys, you don't fit in the world anymore. You fit in the body of Christ. Friendship with the world and all that it offers brings nothing but bondage and depression and discouragement. That is not your home. Why did he leave the place of blessing? To go to Moab. 
because he was going through a famine. The, res the response to famine is repentance, not running away. So listen, maybe some of you are going through a hard time. Or maybe you're just on, you got a break in the cycle, but life's nothing but a cycle, okay? What we need to do is choose the word, not the world. Find your place in the body of Christ because you don't fit out there in the world. And the friendship with the world's a trap. Love's not the world. Okay, does that make sense? So, so what we're going to do now in terms of an application or discussion is just in your small groups, someone probably has something from the message today they, they need to talk through or pray through. And anyway, just let's just take some time to work through it for the next 15 minutes or so, and then, and then we'll dismiss. All right.